I've been a paranormal investigator for over 10 years. I began in 2007, and since that time, I have been able to talk to literally hundreds of people who have told me their personal paranormal experiences. After so many interviews, there are a few things that I've noticed. Let's call them common themes. One of the story types that I hear quite often is an association with ghosts with small children. I think we've all heard of small children having quote-unquote imaginary friends. And most of us don't really take that seriously. But in the paranormal world, these imaginary friends are often seen as contact between children and ghosts. When I was a child, I never had an imaginary friend, but I was able to hear of several. I remember when I was in junior high school and one of my friends told me of a neighbor who lived across the street in a house that was built at the turn of the century. In the basement of this house, there was a library. And as rumor had it, that library was haunted by the ghost of an old man. Now, most of us just chuckled and laughed at such a story. But then one day, my friend told me that a small child who lived in the house began having conversations with this old man. None of the adults in the house could speak with this old man ghost in the library. But the problem was they couldn't just discount what their young child was saying. And this is why. Because the ghost of the old man didn't just talk to the young child, but also did many other things that everyone could witness. It was said that books would fly off the shelves sometimes. Things would go missing from the library and then reappear days later. And at night, while everyone was sleeping, they could hear someone down in the basement walking around in the library. Because of these other events, the adults couldn't just say that the imaginary friend of their child was just a figment of his imagination. I remember sleeping over at that friend's house and looking across the street at the eerie stone house. Both my friend and I decided we never wanted to go down into the basement, into the library, and meet the old man who supposedly haunted there. Hello, my name is Scott Bryan. I would like to welcome you to this episode of the Ghostology Podcast. to make contact with you. We want to share your story. We're going to seek the truth no matter where we find it. Everyone's got a ghost story. I'd like to tell you mine. And the look on his face was a look of shock. First thing I did was go over to him and say, are you okay? I want you to breathe. Welcome to Ghostology. Welcome. As I told you before, my name is Scott Bryan. And, you know, thanks for listening to this episode of the Ghostology Podcast. I hope you enjoy it wherever you're listening to this at home, at work, whether you're exercising or standing still. I hope that you enjoy the things that I'm presenting here today and our discussions about ghosts and ghostly topics. So as you may have guessed, the topic for this podcast is ghosts and children. I'm not the only person that has made the observation that children tend to have more ghostly experiences than adults. Most of the reasons can't really be proven scientifically. Some think that children are more pure 
and therefore more open to spiritual experiences. Of course, skeptics might say that children are just not as socialized. They don't understand that it's not proper or not accepted to have experiences with invisible people. I have my own beliefs. I do think that children are probably more open to ghostly experiences. And for me, it has a lot to do with that. They have not been taught not to believe in ghosts. They're just open to experiences. Now, on my podcasts, a lot of times I will do research. I will find stories. But for this topic of ghosts and children, I really don't need to do any research at all. I was actually thinking about it. I've written three books under the ghostology title, and I have two more that I'm writing at this moment. And I guess it shouldn't be surprising that in all five of these books, they will all have a story with some sort of variant of our topic today, ghosts and children. And for the rest of this podcast, I would like to tell you about another friend I had. This time, though, it was a friend I had in high school. So it was May of 1991, and I was a senior in high school getting ready to graduate. It was a very awkward time, as many of you who have graduated from high school know. You're kind of in limbo. You're excited for the future, but you're also moving on. You know that you'll retain certain friends and other friends you may never see again. It was just weeks before graduation when I had a friend, I'll call Mike, who came over to spend some time with me. I knew that me and Mike would probably go our separate ways after graduation, and so I wanted to spend some quality time with him. He had spent most of the day with me, and we found ourselves at night sitting in my backyard just overlooking the lights of the city of Pocatello. But all of a sudden, he began to tell me not a story, but almost a confession of something that was bothering him quite a bit. He started telling me about his sister, who was about 10 years old at the time, and his concerns of her and an imaginary friend that she had begun talking to in his closet. This is Mike's story. A choking cloud of dust blew through the sky as the car pulled into the driveway. There were no trees large enough to shade the home's stone exterior as a wave of heat rippled through the air. Mike sat in the front seat of his mother's car, fuming that this was his new home. The mix of the stone walls, greenish-brown siding, and maroon gables gave the structure a cabin-like feel. But Mike did not want to romanticize the moment. He focused on only one thing, that his mother had moved him and his sister Megan halfway across the United States, leaving friends and schools behind to Pocatello, Idaho. Mike's mother, Heidi, at 45 years old, had gotten her degree in education and had decided to make a new start after she and her children's father divorced. Three years prior, Mike's father had suddenly moved out of the house and abandoned the family, unexpectedly finding herself a single parent. Heidi had gone back to school, knowing that she could not depend on her ex-husband for support for her or her children. While in school, Heidi had read that Idaho needed teachers and that the cost of living was very low. Though she had never visited the state, on a whim she began to apply for jobs in East Idaho. She knew nothing about Pocatello, but it was centrally located and it was rated as one of the best cities in the United States for outdoor activities like biking, hiking, and skiing. Maybe she was just dreaming, but she imagined her children becoming experienced outdoorsmen in the Idaho wilderness. 
Heidi was very excited when she received a job offer within the first week of job searching. She didn't have a lot of time to think, and wanting a change of environment, she accepted the job and now sat parked in the driveway of a new house and life. She looked at her children with an excited smile, said nothing, and opened her door. Mike and Megan hesitated only a moment, but then followed her into their new home. The house was not an old one. It was built in the late 1980s. It had an entrance, living room, small kitchen, and two bedrooms on the main floor. A set of stairs led to the basement with a laundry room, a large TV room, and one nice-sized bedroom with a gigantic walk-in closet. At first, Mike thought his mother would take the room downstairs because she had the most clothes. But Heidi did not want to be far from Megan, and Megan did not want her room in the basement. And so Mike found himself with the largest room and the largest closet in the house. He began to move in right away and found that his clothes and his other things only filled a portion of the closet. It was so big, it was like having another small room attached to his bedroom. Megan came down often to visit Mike. She loved to go in his closet and play. She would even take a chair in and a small TV table and sit in the closet doing homework or even just reading. Mike thought Megan's games were odd, but then again, she was only 10 and therefore he didn't think it was too strange. There were times when Mike would be in his room and can hear Megan talking to someone in his closet. Mike would just shake his head and laugh a little, thinking that his little sister had a great imagination for a kid. After a few months passed, Mike, his sister, and his mother were all adjusting to their new home. Pocatello was a small town, but it was a scenic town surrounded by tall mountains. The whole family was in school and were making friends. It was about this time that Mike and I became friends. I had a car, so we were free to go do a variety of things like hiking and fishing. Sometimes though, we would just hang out at somebody's house. And it was then on that night that he told me the rest of his story about his sister. I've told you what a light sleeper I am, began Mike. Well, I guess my little sister, Megan, has been coming into my room during the middle of the night. I mean, like really strange hours, between one and three in the morning, and she's been going into my closet. I've never woken up or even known that this has been happening, but my mother told me that Megan will just go in there and start talking to some imaginary woman named Clara. I remember just kind of looking at Mike and just kind of feeling a little strange. I think I said something about, wow, that is kind of strange for your little sister to be doing that. But Mike responded that there was nobody in there and that his mom says that she just likes to go in there and talk to this imaginary woman. Well, if she's not stealing your stuff was the only thing I could say. Mike just shrugged his shoulders. Yeah, I know it's weird, he said. I just don't know what to do. I mean, I've always thought that Megan was a little strange, but this is the kind of thing you'd expect from a crazy person. And also, I think she does it all in the pitch black. Megan has always been scared of the dark. That's why she refused to take my room when we first moved in. But now she has no problem wandering the house at night. I tried to assure him that it was probably just a phase and that she would grow out of it. After that, Mike didn't want to talk about his little sister anymore. Deep down inside, Mike was also a little scared. In the back of his mind, he kept on asking himself, what if Megan was talking with a ghost in his closet a few feet from where he slept? 
In the end, he couldn't think of any solution except to pray his sister would stop her nocturnal activities. A little more than a week went by, and Mike's mother had not mentioned anything more about his sister. He hoped that this meant that the incidents had stopped. But that night, Michael woke when he heard something crash in his closet. From a deep sleep, Mike struggled to open his eyes in the overwhelming darkness. Still very groggy, he sat up in his bed and listened. At first, he heard nothing. But after a few moments, he heard a muffled giggle coming from the direction of his closet. That better not be you, Megan, he shouted. The giggling instantly stopped and a deafening silence ensued. Mike was not sure what to do. He wanted to throw open the closet door and severely threaten Megan if she was there. In the blackness, he began to imagine what lurked in his closet. Unfortunately, Mike realized that he had already committed himself to search the closet when he shouted at Megan. Slowly, he got out of bed, but just as he had started reaching for the doorknob, the door swung open and a small dark figure darted from the opening. Megan, I swear I'll get you if you ever come in here again. In a moment, he could hear footsteps pounding across the kitchen floor. At that moment, Mike wanted to awaken his mother and tell her that he had caught Megan in his closet, but he resisted knowing the stress it would cause his mother. The next day was Saturday, and the morning sun filtered into the house. Megan was nowhere to be seen and was presumably still in bed. Mike met his mother at the kitchen table. As they sat for breakfast, he struggled to find a way to tell her about what had happened. Awkwardly, Mike continued to eat his breakfast, occasionally glancing at his mother with a look of concern. Finally, it was his mother who spoke. Okay, do you want to tell me what's wrong? You keep on looking at me like you want to tell me something. Mike hesitated a little, but then began to methodically tell his mother what had happened the night before. After Mike's confession, Heidi sat with a stern look on her face. Without saying a word, Heidi left the table and walked to Megan's room. Mike could hear the muffled sound of his mother's voice as she tried to firmly speak without yelling. After about 30 minutes, Heidi and Megan exited the room. Megan was sniffling and rubbing her eyes. I'm sorry, said Megan, walking up to Mike. I didn't mean to disturb or scare you. I was just talking to Clara. That's okay, I forgive you, said Mike. Megan began to softly cry as she ran to Mike, hugging him around his neck. He could tell that Megan was very upset and also sincere in her apology. He was now confident that his sister would stop her nightly visits and forget about Clara. The rest of the day was uneventful. The family watched a movie and then went to bed. By 10.30, Mike was in a deep sleep. But all at once, Mike was awake. He wasn't sure what was happening, but he sensed something was wrong. His room was completely black as his eyes tried to adjust to see anything. He noticed that it was hard to breathe, like something was squeezing his chest. Mike wanted to sit up, but he wasn't sure if he should. He wondered if the house was on fire or if someone had broken into the house. He laid there silently listening for any sound of distress, but there was nothing. Then, through the darkness, he heard a laugh and then a voice that he didn't recognize. Mike became paralyzed with fear. Coming from his closet, he could hear the sound of someone speaking. It was not the sound of a young girl, but an older woman. An instant later, he heard another voice of a young girl say, Okay. It was the voice of Megan. 
Mike was now very confused as he wondered if both his mother and his sister were in his closet having a conversation. Then after a few seconds, he heard the rattle of a doorknob and the click of a latch. Slowly, his closet door opened and a small black figure slipped out of his closet. He watched the figure leave his room and then heard footsteps climbing up the stairs. On Sunday morning, Mike went upstairs and found his mother and his sister, Megan, already at the table eating breakfast. No longer was he afraid of upsetting his mother. Mom, last night Megan was in my closet again, and this time she was trying to scare me by changing her voice. First she would talk in a deeper voice, and then she would respond in her own. Heidi's face turned dark as she gazed at Megan. Megan, is that true? Did you go into his closet last night? Megan had a look of shock on her face, but then she bowed her head and shaking it from side to side, said, no, I didn't go into his room. At least I don't think so. But the strange thing is, I had a dream last night that I was talking to Clara. Megan, please don't lie to me, Heidi said in a calm but firm manner. If you were in Mike's room last night, please just tell me and we can talk about it. I promise, Mama, I don't remember going into Mike's room. I wouldn't lie. Then who was in Mike's closet last night? I don't know, but I promise I did not leave my room last night. Heidi was clearly frustrated and ordered Megan to her room. Mike felt terrible and couldn't believe that his sister Megan would not tell the truth about being in his room. Mike realized it would just be easier to catch his sister in the closet next time so that there would be no doubt or excuses. A few nights later, Mike again was awakened during the night. He had placed a flashlight next to his bed and was able to use it to see the time was 2.32 a.m. A thick heaviness filled the room like the air pressure in a submarine at the bottom of the ocean. Everything was quiet, but then he heard the same low female voice grumbling from his closet. Though his legs felt weak, he thought of his mother, grabbed the flashlight, and moved towards the closet door. He did not turn on the flashlight because he did not want to give Megan a warning and the opportunity to escape. Tiptoeing to the closet door, he reached out his hand and felt the cold, smooth metal of the knob. His palm squeezed it harder, and with a quick jerk, the door flung open. At the same moment, Mike thrust out his other hand holding the flashlight and clicked the button. As the white beam of light filled the area, Mike saw his sister sitting cross-legged on the closet floor. Her head slumped towards her back with her mouth open and facing the ceiling. Her body's position seemed completely unnatural and rigid, like she should tumble backwards. Yet she sat still in the middle of the closet. Her eyelids were closed but trembled as her eyes quivered back and forth in rapid movement. All at once, Megan giggled without opening her eyes or moving her head. It was as if she was in a catatonic trance. Even her skin seemed pale white, as if all the blood had been removed from her small body. Finding his sister in this condition stunned and frightened Mike. Electric pulses ran up his spine, squeezing his shoulders and neck. If it had been a stranger, Mike would have run, but he could not leave his sister in this state. Mustering all of his strength, he bent over and grabbed his sister's arm. He was alarmed at how cold and stiff his sister's skin felt. Lightly, he began to shake her, hoping that she would awaken, but she remained unresponsive, sitting on the floor. Finally, he grabbed her around the waist and picked her up. 
For a moment, she remained firm, but then relaxed as her arms and legs flopped towards the ground. He repositioned her in his arms and carried her up the stairs. As Mike was nearing Megan's bedroom, he saw a light turn on under his mother's door. When Heidi saw Megan, she covered her mouth to muffle her scream. Even then, Megan remained asleep in her brother's arms. Soon, Megan was lying on her bed, still asleep as her brother and mother looked down on her, wondering what to do next. What happened? Heidi said desperately. Still in shock, Mike slowly told his mother everything. He described his room, the voices, and then how he found Megan. Heidi sat in silence, unable to cry, scream, or anything at all. Mike and Heidi both took turns the rest of the night watching over Megan. In the morning, Megan awoke as usual. She had no memory of the events of the night before, but had again dreamed of Clara. Megan's encounter with Clara frightened Heidi to the point that she broke her lease and found another home to rent within a week. After moving from the house, Megan never spoke with Clara again. To this day, the family does not have an explanation for Clara and her communication with Megan. They don't know who she was, where she came from, or her connection to the house. It is Mike that has the best recollection of Megan's ghostly encounters. Megan claims only to have vague memories of that time, but she does remember playing in the closet and possibly hearing a woman's voice that said her name was Clara. Mike is convinced that Clara was not imaginary. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Ghostology, and I invite you to listen to future episodes. If you've liked what you've heard here and would like more Ghostology, you can always look for my books on Amazon.com, all under the title Ghostology. You can also visit our website at Ghostology.com. Thank you, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Music for this podcast was provided by Mayu, that is M-Y-U-U, Nicholas Gasparini, using his songs Morbid Mind and Nightmares. For more Mayu, check out his website at thedarkpiano.com.